Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Today, I want you to get your Bible. I want you to turn or your phone or whatever you can watch on the screen. But we're going to go into the Word for just a few minutes. And I'm entitling the message today, Where is the Risen Christ? All of our emphasis is on the, the fact that our God is alive. That's what makes him different. He is risen and he is alive. He is here in the person of the Holy Spirit. I'll explain that to you in a minute. And he has a plan for every single life. And it's not God's will for everybody to go to, to Asia or China or Korea or Africa or wherever, but it is God's will that you glorify him and submit yourself to be used by him to get the gospel to somebody, maybe one person. Imagine what would happen if everybody that claims Jesus were to bring one person to the Lord, what that would do to the cause of Christ in our generation. So today I want you to let me take you on a quick journey to try to show you something that I hope you can identify with that the Lord has laid upon my heart to share with you from Job chapter 23 and from John chapter 20. Now while you're turning to Job chapter 23, you're going to turn back into the Old Testament. Different historians put a different time frame, 700 B.C., something like that, 600. But hundreds and hundreds of years later, we are in John chapter 20. The point is, these passages were written hundreds of years apart by two different people, neither of which ever knew each other, that lived in a totally different environment from the other, and in the Holy Spirit bringing to earth Jesus Christ, these things happened to these two people. And I want you to listen very, very carefully because the one thing that we're praying will happen is that no one will come to any service, not only then, but even today, that does not understand God is alive. He is alive. He, is, he knows everything that's going on, and all power is given to him in heaven and earth. If any man lack wisdom, the Bible says, let him ask of God. There is a truth out there. There is a way out there. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And all that come, that come to the Father will come through me. But if we can get that one thing that these two people struggled with, and I'm going to show you how they struggled with it, I hope you can identify with one or the other. First of all, I'm going to ask you to stand. The reading will be brief this morning, but this is out of respect to the Word. In Job chapter 23, if you're a new believer or you've just found Job, you say, well, it looks like Job to me. Well, you can call him Job, all right? If you don't know who he was, this is a man that lost everything he had. He lost his health. He lost his, his finances. He lost his land. He lost most of his family. Uh, he just had a horrendous, horrendous experience. You've heard of the patience of Job and didn't even know who they were talking about. Well, he was a man that had great patience, and now I'm going to try to explain it to you real quickly. Uh, what that's all about. From the 23rd chapter of Job, verse 3. Here's what he says. After complaining, he gets bitter, 
He doesn't understand what's going on. Every day is a bad day for him. He never has a good day. And here's what he says. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. And that's capital H, looking for God. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. Now, turn over hundreds of years. We're going to the book of John, 20th chapter. I want to read to you from 11 through 14. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. This is the tomb of Jesus. He's just been crucified the day before. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and she looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain, past tense. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now listen to verse 14. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll always find Jesus if you'll look for him. Would you be seated? Paul said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And I know that, or, or excuse me, Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. Job came to that point in his life when he said, I know my Redeemer liveth, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. But it took a while. They went through some incredible experiences, these two people, before they could understand what it was like to know that God is alive and he is there. I don't know what you're going through today, but some are going through some tough times. I just want you to know something. God loves you. God cares about you. God has a plan for you. God is willing to forgive and forget whatever's going on in your past. But you've got to look for God. And some are going to have to turn around. She turned around, and he was right behind her. The Bible word is repentance. That's what the word means, repent. Let's repent, you'll perish. I want you to think about that day as Mary was so depressed. As there had been so much trauma with the crucifixion, and she desperately needed to see Jesus. But that moment, she was looking in the wrong way. Today, there may be many that are watching on the internet. You're in another part of the world. Things are going on in your life right now, and you don't know how you're going to handle them. The decisions that you've made in the past are not good ones. And you're about to make some more that are not good ones. And you've done the best you could. But somewhere along the way, you've given up on God. 
in all of the noise and all the glamour and all the color and all the, the excitement over the things of this world, you have some way forgotten something you must be reminded of today. Jesus loves you, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. God has a plan for you, but he wants to be a part of that plan. He didn't just go and die and he's asleep and one day he's going to come back again and you do the best you can. No, he is alive. He is alive. Whenever you look at the scripture, you can see that many got confused then and many are getting confused now. And if the crucifixion of Jesus had, had been the end of Jesus Christ, in other words, he died, they had a funeral, everybody wept, they went home, and that's it, I can assure you that would have been the end of what we know as the Christian faith. He would have died right there. But he is alive, and Christianity is still alive. And John... Jesus said in John 14, 9 to Philip, he said, Have I been with you so long, Philip, and you have not known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show me the Father? Philip was asking those questions. There's some of you, uh, or some of us, I should say here, the time has come, we just cry out, God, where are you? You said you wouldn't leave me and you wouldn't forsake me. Where are you? I don't understand. I've done this and this and this. Where are you? He might be saying to us, why don't you turn around? Why don't you look in the opposite direction? Because you see, Jesus said, if you're looking for me, the Holy Spirit represents me. So if you're trying to find me, where is the Spirit of God Working, John 15, 26, but when the Comforter is come, that's the Holy Spirit, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, listen, he shall testify of me. Now that's the reason we talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. It's so important that you understand what that text means. Colossians 2, 9, for in him... In Jesus dwells all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We sing, Jesus loves me. God's word said, for God so loved the world. Yes, God loves me, but God so loves the world. That's the reason we have missions. But many people right now in this room are listening to me and on the radio and on the television and on that internet. And let me tell you, if you would be honest with me, here's what you'd say. I've never experienced God. You might say, I, I've never had a vision of God, like that little boy. I've never heard his voice. Now, you're living in a day when one preacher said he saw a 60-some-odd story Jesus a long time ago. I don't know if you remember that preacher, but he's no longer alive, but he saw a 60-story. I've never seen a 60-story Jesus. Did he? I don't know, but I know I haven't. But some of you would say, well, you know, I haven't had anything like that. I've never had a vision of God. I've never heard his voice. I know people have two-way conversations. I guess they know that Jesus talks English. I don't know what it is, or maybe he speaks all the language, but they are talking back and forth, talking back and forth. Maybe some of us talk so much we don't ever listen. Maybe the reason that we haven't heard the voice. But what I want you to know is that's not carnality when you say you haven't heard his voice or you haven't seen Jesus because I think you've seen him and didn't recognize him. 
just like Mary did. He is here. He is alive. He is real. And he wants to show himself strong, but your heart has to be perfect towards him. You've got to be willing to look for him. He says, seek me and you will find me if you will search for me with all of your heart. But your heart has got to be searching for Jesus, not to, trying to find ways to, to confirm that your sin is okay. And that God just doesn't really care about whether we live in sin or not. Down inside, crying out, I've never experienced God. If so, I don't know where I've experienced God. I want you to give me just a few more minutes this morning to try to prove to you that you're wrong. I know that's hard, but uh, just bear with me for a little bit. Here's what the psalmist David said, 46th Psalm, verse 10. He said, be still and know that I'm God. I want to help you to see how God reveals himself to you. I want to guide you to a little bit deeper level of thinking in order that you can have a personal relationship with him. And if you, from your perspective, believe that there is no God or that you believe if there is, I have never experienced God, I want to try to change your mind. I don't have very long to do it. I'll take you to an Old Testament story. 1 Kings 19, verse 9 through 13. It's a story about a man named Elijah. He was a prophet of God. He was a man that saw miracles. He saw the fire fall out of heaven. He, was, uh, he defeated 800 prophets of Baal. But a woman got after him. I talked to you about this several weeks ago, and he ran and got in the cave. He got in that cave. He was scared to death. He was running from one woman. And he got in that cave. And when he got in that cave, if I could take you to that 19th chapter of 1 Kings, verses 9 through 13, the Lord asked him a question. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've slain your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. Now watch this. And behold, the Lord passed by. See, he's saying, God, I can't find you. I can't see you. Where are you? You know, all these people are after me. I'm trying to do my best. I don't know what's going on. He says, okay, get up on the mountain. Now he gets up on the mountain. It says, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains, tore the mountains apart. You ever see that ever happened before? I haven't. Elijah saw that happen, all right? And then he broke, and then it broke in pieces of the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind came an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, after the earthquake, after the strong winds, listen to what it says, and after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, he went out, and he stood at the entrance to the cave. He got out of the cave. Still, small voice. Kind of noisy today in our world to hear a still, small voice, isn't it? Especially when you're raised 
in the city. But as I share you, with you the answer real quickly, I want to preface what I'm going to say. I don't want to pretend uh, that you believe something that's not true or where I'm coming from. I want to share with you that I believe the Bible to be the Word of God, inspired and errant and infallible, okay? If God's Word says it, I have no argument with it. It's, it's been faithful to me for a long, long time and a lot of others. I believe Jesus was incarnate God. I believe the Word became flesh and moved among us, and there was a man that lived and never sinned, never sinned. I believe in the crucifixion, that the Word became flesh, though dwelt among us. He was crucified, and he rose from the grave. I believe before Jesus left this earth to go back to sit with the Father, he left a comforter, the Holy Spirit. I have seen thousands of illustrations of God comforting those that were struggling, hurting, broken, bitter. I've seen the Holy Spirit break the toughest of men that would never, ever humble themselves before anybody, not even God. And I've seen them become some of the mightiest humble servants of God of my lifetime. I believe that. I believe God, through Jesus, makes it possible for everybody on the planet to be saved. That includes the Hindus, the Muslims, the Buddhists, the people from the other side of the world or the people who live across the street from you or live in your house. I believe God loves them unconditionally. I believe by faith, whosoever will can come and be saved. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. Now, having said that, I want to first of all tell you, you say, I've never experienced God. Oh, yes, you have. Please let me, let me give me a chance to prove you wrong. You cannot go out and see the beauty of this world that God has made and believe there's no God. If you, work for, if you work for NASA and you're the smartest and the most brilliant of knowledge about space and astrology, you cannot believe that that just happened by accident. And all you know about the sun and all you know about the moon and every sunrise you've seen and every sunset that you've witnessed and every flower that you've seen and every bird and every animal and every child or whatever, you cannot go around and say, I've never experienced God. You have experienced God. And in Romans 1, verse 20, it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. He says, you're without an excuse. You cannot say that you haven't experienced God. You have seen the winds. You have seen the snows. You have seen the mountains of the Smokies, the Rockies, the Swiss Alps, the hills of New Zealand. You have seen all the different creations of God. It's around everywhere. Get out of town. Turn off the television. When I was growing up, the second most read book in our home was National Geographic, where I learned from a little child, wow! Look at that fish. They don't have any of them in Lake Houston or the city park where I used to fish. God is an awesome God. He says, how can you see all of this and believe that it just happened? I don't think so. The psalmist David said, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands 
when you go to the plains of Texas or the plains of Africa, when you go to the, and you hear some of the great music of the world, the art, the architecture, the pet store, the flower shop, the zoo, I mean, just keep on. You've experienced God. Only God, only God could do that. Here's what John 1, 3 says. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Let me secondly say to you, you experience God not only in what you see with your eyes, but you can be exposed to God if you'll search out and find truth. If you'll find out that God's word was right when it said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, would you bring and show me one person that you know? If you've brought them home from the hospital, I'll, I'll give them two days for you to bring them home from the hospital when the nurses took care of them. And show me one person that's not a sinner, that was born to do good, to eat on time, sleep on time. Yes, mother. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Oh, please let me do that. Please let me do this. I don't think you've seen one. And you know what the Bible says, which is truth? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None are righteous. No, not one. You say, I don't believe the Bible. You believe that? I hope so. Otherwise, we need a psychologist for you to talk to or brain surgeon or something. You know what Jesus said in the 14th chapter, verse 6 of John? I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Ladies and gentlemen and young people and senior adults, we've been lied to all of our life. We've been told if you'll do this, you'll get that. We did this, and we didn't get that. We're lied to by commercials. We're lied to by the news. We're lied to by our friends and our non-friends. We are, everything that we're seeing, we watch the movies. We live in that make-believe world. We see all of that horrendous stuff going on and can't understand why are so terrible things going on the campuses of our schools. Why are our communities falling apart? Why is it that we're facing what we're facing? Why can't we see that? Why won't we accept the truth? Man is a sinner. His desire is to do good, I mean, do bad and not good. And when the Bible opens up, it'll say to you, well, let me just give it to you, John 16, 13, and when he, Jesus, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. How do you find the truth? You find Jesus. And Jesus says, I will lead you to the truth. I will show you the truth. I had my life, but I still speak to you through the Holy Spirit. You can find out what's right and wrong if you'll just seek God. If it's wrong, you run from it. If it's right, you enjoy it. But you've got to live by the truth. You've got to quit trusting people that aren't the truth. Jesus is the truth. And when you trust him and you begin to say, I don't understand, I think she's the right one for me, and he says, no, she's not the right one for you. Oh, I think he's Mr. Wonderful. Good gracious, did you see how he played in the football game? Oh, do you see how all the girls are, what they're saying about him? He's got to be the right one. If I get him, I will just show him. And you get him. And then you're looking for a lawyer. <laughs> and you say, dear God, I got what I want, but I don't want what I got. What's the deal? You didn't follow the truth. 
God tells you how to pick a wife, how to pick a husband, how to pick a friend. God tells you how to invest your money. The best book on money ever written is that book right there. Right, right there. The Bible says every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of love. All that's in the heaven, all that's in the earth is mine. My God will supply all of my need according to his riches in glory. And I will supply all of your needs according to my riches. I know God's word is true, but we will not accept it. We're going to go out and believe what the movie star says, what the rock star says, what the comedian says. We cannot even laugh any longer unless it gets filthy in many circles. We cannot enjoy anything unless it's got immorality in it. But the Bible tells us all of this is true. But when you get along and, uh, with the, in, the, in the quiet presence of God, God has a way of putting his arm around you and saying, listen, I've got a plan for you. You follow me. In the book of Romans, first chapter, verse 24, it says, God has gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. This body is the temple of God. Whatever you do with this body, it's the temple of God. And all the diseases and all the heartaches and all the murders and all the stuff is caused by lust of the flesh. And what's happened today in our culture? God has said, if you want to see the truth, I'll show you the truth about that stuff. Happiness is not just two more drinks away. Happiness is not another affair. It's not another marriage. It is simply just being what God wants you to be. He goes on in the 28th verse of Romans 1. He says, God gave him over to a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind is a mind that, is, that has rejected truth and gone after the ways of this world. And here's the way he says you identify it. He says you're being filled with all unrighteousness, and he names it fornication, sex outside of marriage, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness. You're full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity. You're whispers and backbiters. You're haters of God. You're despiteful. You're proud. You're boasters. You're inventor of evil things. You're disobedient to your parents. You're without understanding. You're covenant breakers. You're without natural affection. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do you do the same, but you have pleasure in them that do them. So you are very comfortable and letting the world turn its back on God. And if you get a chance, you'll even vote on it and say, let them have it. They have a right because they're an American. Oh, my dear friend. Oh, my dear friend. When will this nation repent? You know when it'll repent? When God's people repent. When individuals repent. When individuals get right. And we won't throw this out. We will come back and say, God, I'm going to do what you want us to do. And in John 18, Pilate therefore said unto him, Are you then the king? And Jesus answered, You say I'm the king. And then he goes on to say, Everyone that is of the truth will hear my voice. If today you want to experience God, you can. If today... You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You can change. 
If today you're fed up with the devil lying to you and you're saying enough is enough, this is the first day of the rest of your life. And let me tell you the best news. People that you've offended can forgive you, but they can't forget. But I know a God that can forgive and forget. And when that God forgives, he forgets and he remembers it against you no more. And you begin this day forward as the first day of the rest of your life as clean as white snow. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin. Last night they had a commercial on television about Tide. Did you see it? They're selling Tide on all four sides of town out in pickup trucks, okay? There's a big deal. You know, these guys went out to check out this Tide because it's $35 for a 25-pound bag, and the ladies were getting all this stuff, so they ran some tests on the Tide. They found out that it was Tide, but it wasn't the real Tide that you put in electric washing machines. It's the kind that you do this with, that there was an inferior product that they can sell cheaper. Yes, it's made by Tide. Did they tell the truth? Well, it was Tide, yeah. Is what you thought you was getting? No, according to the news last night, the test shows when you wash it and you wash it and you wash it, it's just like it was before you wash it, wash it, wash it. <laughs> you got conned. Cost you 35 bucks. Well, it has to be true. It had a sign. I like this one. It's got to be true. I read it in the newspaper. It's got to be true. I got an email. I, it's got to be true. You know, I heard it on the news last night. I saw it with my own eyes. It may not be the truth. I thank God they found no problem with cholesterol and shrimp. Did you know that this week? I've been telling my wife that for 50 years. She eats her healthy stuff, you know, and every time I want a lobster and a shrimp and a crab, don't get that cholesterol. Now the scientists and the doctors have proved, amen, there is no cholesterol in any of that stuff. Your body is what, what produces the cholesterol. Woo! I'm rarely right unless I'm preaching the Bible. But I was right on that, and I don't know if the Bible says anything about cholesterol. I don't know where the Scripture is, all right? But I do know this. Let me close. You can experience God, and you can experience Him right now. Words of truth, like I love you, I need you, I want to marry you, I pronounce you husband and wife, you're going to have a baby, and if you finish 12th grade, you passed. You're going to graduate. We won. That's another good one. If you ever been to court, you're not guilty. Or isn't it wonderful when the police come up and says, I'm going to give you a warning ticket. Woo! It just makes cold chills run up down your back. <laughs> good news. Good news. Good news. Well, God's given us all the warning tickets he wants to give us. It's time now to do right. And all truth is not, not it can be truth and not be good. Like, except you repent, you're going to perish. But that's truth. It's not good news. I want a divorce. The court finds you guilty. Your loved one has died. You're fired. Your illness is terminal. All of that can be truth. But it's not good news. But there is some good news, even there. Standing somewhere in the shadows today you can find Jesus. And he's willing to take all the mess you've got, all the dirty laundry you've got, and we've all got plenty of it, and wash it in the blood and give you a brand new life. Well, how much is it going to cost? 
Well, how much interest? How much payment? It's already been paid. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but the blood has washed it white as snow. God wants to give you a new life today. Men, God wants to give you a new life today. You don't want to die a macho man. You want to die a saved man. And Jesus was a macho man. He stood and uttered not a word when they executed him on the cross. And when he did spoke, speak, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know the truth. They don't know what they do. We know the truth. God is evident in creation. Jesus is the Son, died on the cross. The Holy Spirit is here right now. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Job said, later, in that scripture, he said, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he sits on the right hand of the Father. Do you know that today? I know I'm speaking to many today. You feel like love's passed you by. You feel nobody cares. I want you to know I care enough, and a lot of people here care enough, and there's a room full of people that are going right now to a room that care enough to tell you the truth in love and show you how you can have a brand new life and a brand new start. Are you really looking for that? If the answer is yes, if you want a new life, a new start, a new beginning, are you looking in the right places? You may be spending all your time in darkness rather than looking for the light. But when the angel asked Mary, why are you seeking the living among the dead? He asked her a question that she had to deal with. Some of you are trying to find the answers, but you're looking in the wrong place. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Don't give up the life God created you to have. Don't walk away from here this morning in darkness, but turn the light on. Invite the light in, and the Lord will come. He says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Christianity is not a faith of hate. It's a, it is a faith of love. So would you receive him right now? Heads bowed, eyes closed in a moment. We're going to sing that little chorus, little, that great hymn, I Surrender All. People have already moved back into a lobby back here. These are some of the most godly, loving people you'll ever meet in your life. They're waiting right now for those of you. They could be running to the cafeteria lines. They could be trying to get out of the parking lot, but they're going to stay here as long as you want to talk. They'll answer your questions. They will help you to understand. Maybe I've confused you today. They will help you. No pressure. No, no, sir. You don't push people in the kingdom of God. You lovingly direct them as the Spirit leads them. But when you go out this big hallway over here to my right, as soon as you walk through the second set of double doors, look right to you, immediate left. You'll see the entrance into that private room that no one has been in uh, in this hour until right now. If you go out this door here, look immediately to the right. I want you to do that. But I want to pray with you right where you're sitting, and then we'll stand. Dear God, would you bless us now as you hear the prayers 
of those that want to leave the darkness and come into the light. In Jesus' name, would you pray this prayer with me, dear God? I know I'm in darkness. I know your word is true. I struggle in every decision I make, and it seems like most of them are wrong. Oh, God, I believe your word that you love me anyway. I ask, I, I acknowledge my sin. I ask you to come into my life and take over. And I will follow you. And I know that you'll not withhold any good thing from me and you'll supply my need and I'm following. I'm confessing sin, repenting, and coming to you. And I believe you're the truth. In Jesus' name, amen.